Welcome to Conversations with Mayi Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. Let's learn and grow together. In today's episode, we embark on a captivating journey with Farah Fisher, a worldly banker with a passion for baking and yoga. Born in London and raised in North India and educated in a multicultural setting. She brings a unique blend of experiences and cultural influences to her career and personal life. Join us as we explore Farah's inspiring journey and the insight she gained along the way. Hi, Farah. So good to have you here with us today. I'm so excited. That's such a warm welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited because we're going to be talking about your book. But can you please introduce yourself uh, to the audience? Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Farah. Um, your audience will hear I'm not in America or, you know, anywhere near your part of the world. I'm sitting in Dubai. Um, I was born in London, as you said. Grew up in India, then went back to London, worked for a while. And then I've been in Dubai for 22 years. Uh, which has been home, uh, where I've kind of built my career in the banking industry. And um, in my spare time, I love baking, cooking, and yoga, which is kind of one of my mind-body um, tools to harness the sort of the thought process that can go all over the place sometimes. Um, and as you mentioned, I've written a book. Um, it's called Meher and Me. My mother's name was Meher. So it's a story about myself and my mother, um, we lost her under tragic circumstances when she was far too young um, through a senseless crime back in India where I grew up. Um, and I talk about not just the crime and how we lost her, but my journey with her and not all the bad stuff, not all the good stuff, but it's the story of our relationship as it evolved from a young child through my teens to a young adult. And then finally, once I was a parent, when you look back through the lens of being a parent, I think you understand your parent and their choices a little bit differently. Um, and you can empathize differently, I think, a little bit better. So it's it's a mother and daughter story at the heart of it. Wow, that is amazing. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry for the loss of your mom. I lost my sister six years ago. Um, how old was your sorry. mom when she... Passed. She was fifty-eight. So, wow, um, she was young. Wow, fifty-eight. Yeah, that that is young. Uh, writing a book about deeply personal experience can be, you know, very challenging. A challenge process. Can you uh, discuss with us how writing this book has helped you come to terms with your past and finding 
serenity. Maybe I jumped way through your journey. Fast forward. Maybe, <laughs> may, yeah, maybe let's go back a little. How how did you decide to write this book? So I don't think it necessarily was a conscious decision that I'm going to sit down and write a book. Um, as part of the grief therapy that, that I did when mom passed, there was a lot of journaling involved. And I've heard you when we were talking before recording that journaling has helped you in your processing of grief. So that really helped me. And to this day, I journal, you know, especially if I'm in a struggle, a mental struggle, I will sit down with my journal and just sort of allow my thoughts to come out and into words onto paper which helps me make sense of a lot of the emotions that can swirl around us. So when mom passed, I was encouraged to journal and sort of the depth of your emotion or, you know, to try and release whatever was within us so as to not carry it. Um, and then it was a case of sitting down one evening and the words started flowing partially through the processing of grief, but it was mainly around the event of mom's loss. And I remember you know, I was writing and I was crying and, you know, I was writing and crying, lots of tissues used. And then when I finished those sort of couple of chapters, I didn't know if I had a voice, if it was something somebody would want to read, if I wrote well, or, you know, whether there was any future in it. So I shared those chapters with a couple of friends whose opinion I trust and value, and they were very encouraging. Um, and encouraged me to write the story. And so from there, I built the arc of the story starting from my childhood. But the sort of the setting for the story is almost late, even before I was born, right? There's such a rich cultural history and heritage that goes into who we are as people, Parsis, the journey of my mother, um, and through to when I'm, I arrived born in London, we make the decision to go to India. I grew up in India, surrounded by this multitude of cultural sort of influences, which perhaps as a child, I wasn't as happy to be in India because I'd been uprooted from London. But as an adult, I realized how rich that experience was and how much it gave me in terms of my identity and who I am. Um, that today I'm very, very grateful for that upbringing. And then, you know, when the book finished, as you said, very personal and then it sort of sat in my bedside table drawer for a very long time and then it was okay let me review it let me work on it let me edit it let me make sure grammatically the phrasing all of that sort of structure of the language was correct um everyone has an opinion right any number of people you ask <laughs> you're yes. going to get different opinions and you know if they're experts in their field i will try and take on board what they're saying to try and adapt or mold or edit or revise but there comes a point where if you find you're straying from the truth of what you want to say or who you are then you resist and i couldn't get it to be the way they were asking me to make the book you know if they were publishers so again it went back in the drawer um and again you years passed till i think the time is right and they say when you're healed, you tell the story different. So maybe I wasn't ready to talk about, as you say, the very personal stuff early on, but I'm at a point where I can talk about it without the emotional or the emotions getting the better. Attachment to it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you touched two points there. And because um, I'm in the process of writing uh, a book about um, abortion and sometimes writing something so personal 
it's it's very difficult because then you are faced with all these emotions of people are going to judge you or but then you have all the people that you want to help with your message and and that's how i found the balance between between that and i remember when you you said about you know um running this through your friends and family and i remember when i told my family you know what i'm i'm going to write a book about abortion and they were like are you sure because you know with with all this craziness that is going on in the world you know like aren't you afraid and honestly at first I wasn't I just you know I was so inspired I'm like I'm gonna tell my story and I'm gonna help other women and but then you know you mentioned having your children but then I'm thinking wow I'm gonna tell a story about abortion and then I had to think about my children like it got scary so I stopped how did you find that inner strength to just say I'm gonna just go ahead and and share it I think that was a journey as well. Exactly as you say, you know, people will tell you, are you sure? Do you want to include this? Do you want to say this out loud? And it got to a point where either I commit and I tell the story and it's my, obviously it's my story. It's my voice. It's my lens. Other people might have different opinions on the same, you know, event or I don't tell the story. And I'm quite a, it's quite an interesting um, sort of dichotomy. I'm quite a, personal, slightly introverted individual. So for me to share everything, it's as you say, you have to distance yourself a little bit. It's sort of like a creative project. I'm telling a story, but that's not really me. You know, it's it's a story about me, but you don't take it so personal. And I've shared it. And as you say, you hope that it'll touch people. You hope it'll help people. Um, people will realize everyone, all of us go through some sort of challenge life event that's going to test us right Um, none of us are going to miss out on that opportunity but it's how you navigate it and the tools that I used may help you or you might choose to do something different but it's the fact that you're not alone and we all lose people we love and it's how do you come through it and without bitterness right it's not like you're sitting in that pocket of grief and wearing the badge of a victim but It's happened and you've moved past it. And it's not like you've forgotten the memory of the person you lost or you're, you know, dismissing the gravity of the situation, but you're moving beyond to be able to share a story of hope for someone who might be going through a troubled time or might be going through the grief, you know, as they hear us or as we speak. Yeah, sometimes sharing um, very personal. It, it's like it, it gets a little tricky there. And I love when you when you said that about being a victim because I sometimes I feel like um, you know it's like we want to tell the world about you know challenges that we can help them because we overcame them or whatever, but we don't want to seem as victim. I I feel like since I was a child, I've never want to wanted to be perceived as as a victim or I chose not to feel like a victim so I I believe this is why a lot of people believe that I am a strong woman and you know like I, I, I cannot cry or I I have it all together and sometimes I I love what you said about journaling too this is something that has helped me so much so for somebody that is going through you know 
these challenges because you, you found you talk about uh, finding a blend of tools to navigate through these challenges. Can you describe some of the tools um, that were helpful for you, you know, to cope with, especially the tragedy of, of losing your mom? I mean, that that's, you know, it's just like unthinkable. Sure. So I think you have to accept it'll take a period of time and everyone will be different. Right, what resonates for me or how long it takes me to get through it because you don't get over it, you get through it, you always have the loss of whatever you've lost, um, but you find a way to be without it, right? So, um, my mom brought me up on her own, my father abandoned us a long time ago, so she was my sole parent, so to speak. So, when I lost her, it was You, your parent is your foundation, right? If most of us will have healthy, good relationships with our parents and they bear witness to your life, the good, the bad, they celebrate with you. They're there to hold your hand if you're going through a tough time. So that main person in my life is no longer there. And they went in such a sort of brutal way that first one had to just make sense of the occurrence and the incident itself because that was so senseless. Then there's the loss of the parent. There's the absence of anyone around you. And I was a young parent at the time. My kids were young. So journaling, yes. Therapy, yes. Um, I went to tarot card readers. I went to psychics. I did all of that just to tell me she was okay and that I would be okay, I think. Um, I did yoga. Yoga I'd always done, but it became a very meaningful practice for me to find stillness in my mind and develop strength in my body. And as my body became stronger, my mind also became a little bit stronger in terms of handling whatever was coming in front of me. Um, cooking is a big part of our culture. We're Parsi, oh. we, we're foodies, we love you know breakfast, we're planning lunch, lunch, we're planning dinner. It just is one big food fest. Um, and my grandmother was a great cook. My mom was a great cook. And I had this love of baking that had started when my daughter was little. And when mom passed, I used to come into the kitchen from work and I'd still be in whatever I'd want to work in my heels. And I'd go into the kitchen with this need to create. It wasn't that I wanted a piece of cake or I wanted a brownie or I wanted a biscuit, but I just wanted to create something. So I would go in, start pulling out ingredients and creating something, you know, whatever it was. Um, and that smell comes in and it lifts your spirits a little bit. And then you share it with your friends and your family and whoever, because it's far too much for you to eat on your own. Um, and they enjoy it and that sort of spreads the joy and it sort of sort of echoes back at you, right? Mirrors back at you. So I think all these little things and then just time, you know, passage of time, you have to give yourself time to grieve you have to give yourself time to come to terms with whatever it is um, and just day by day then your mindset starts changing where you don't focus on the end in itself but you focus on the individual and the full life they led and all the happy memories and all the other memories so the story is not just of her ending but it's all of her you know the sum of her um, which which is shared Yeah, I love that um, that you mentioned your need to create and a, a lot of people are going to be. And and you said that it's going to look different to different people. You found your love for yoga, 
but for other people might be fitness. So if somebody's listening, you know, don't focus so much on the the specific thing. The specifics, right? It it could be uh, you can replace yoga with fitness, um, journaling with um, walking outside. And yes. just, you know, like admiring nature. But you, you said creating. And I'm, I often joke about, you know, me in the kitchen not being the best of friends. I've tried to like really, and, and I cook and, you know, because I have to. <laughs> and it, and it's good. It's good. I cannot complain or my family doesn't complain about my cooking. <laughs> but it's that that need to create for you was baking and and you know and for me it's creating and and this is what I love about what you said uh because it's either creating things with my hands when it comes to tools like um uh, building something uh a little house for for kids you know like to play um for me it's photography I create art Um, And also for me, it's just that need to create. Someone said when you work with your hands, the nerve endings in your hands, which help you process your emotions as well. So as you're saying, building with your hands, working with your hands. So somebody might paint, somebody might, I'm no good with a screwdriver or drill, so that won't be me. But baking was what I was creating and working with my hands. So as you said, it's going to look different for different people, but there's going to be that spark or even gardening you know gardening is usually therapeutic you're working with your hands you're working with nature you're seeing something grow um so to each their own but i think as you say the takeaway is find uh, activity you know whether it's walking or swimming or yoga or fitness or whatever you enjoy dancing even um and if there's something creative that you enjoy then invest your time in that to help you just get through the time and the experience yeah, is that creative process, that creation, and seeing what you said, seeing something beautiful um, uh, grow. And it's not that you're going to forget about people. I don't know if you if you write this in your book, but do you feel like she still watches over you? Do you feel her presence? I, I, don't, I don't know if For I... For sure. Yeah, no, I do. I do. Um, and if I have a decision to make or I'm struggling with something, like if I'm in the car on my own, I will have full loud conversations <laughs> with her and anyone passing by will think I'm completely mad but uh you know I'm sure she's there I'm sure she's watching over us you know the universe has looked after me and been kind to me and allowed me to um look after my ecosystem um, and protect my ecosystem the way I have so for sure she's up there um looking out for us oh, that's good I I'm not the I'm not alone in this and this thinking that they still like you can feel the presence. My sister sometimes shows up in my dreams. Like I write down every every dream. I write it write it down, and then I just look for the uh, lesson in that dream because there's something in there. For sure, you find for that. Sure, there's a message. There's a message coming through. Yeah, for sure. Um, whenever I've not found the answer to something easily if I sort of meditate on it or just give it up and say you know help me find the solution to this one you know you wake up in the morning fresh and something comes and it works its way through um so for sure they're there I love that so let's switch it up a little 
Um, what is your perception of beauty? <laughs> well, they say beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. And I think beauty is as beauty does, right? I think you see people's souls shine through. And that for me is beautiful. Confidence is beautiful. It's not, you know, symmetry on, you know, on facial features, but I love aesthetics. I'm very visual in my sort of, um, in how I relate to life. So I love things to be pretty. I love things to smell nice. I love um, the little touches. Um, that for me is beauty. I love it. And now uh, for me, oh my goodness, I love, love your hair. I am trying, <laughs> I don't know if you can see it, but I am trying to let, oh man, this is the light. It doesn't show, but you can yeah. see like, I saw, the, I saw the my grace. Yes. <laughs> you have such a beautiful hair. Do you dye your hair or is that all natural? All natural. It took me a long time to grow it out and um, friends and family again. You know, why are you growing gray and you should color your hair and you're so young. But I just, you know, my hair grows quickly and I didn't want to spend the time coloring it and just the damage to the hair. And I just decided I'm not coloring it. So um, here we are. Purple shampoo. That's it. I love it. It's so beautiful. What is one thing you stopped apologizing for that helped you, whether in your career or in your personal life, to level up? I think I just stopped apologizing for being different. You know, I've never been, I've never conformed. You know, when I was a child, I was taken to India. I wasn't Indian enough. You know, when I came back to London when I was 18, I wasn't British enough. I live in Dubai, which is multicultural. Um, and for those of your listeners who might have done, there's a psychological test called psychometric test Myers-Briggs. So I come out as this quartile of individuals who are like less than 2% of any company. So I'm slightly different in how I view the world. And I know my point of view is always a little bit different to the majority in the room. And for a long time, I used to question myself, you know, is it me or why don't I think like that? Or, you know, oh, my God, I'm sort of proposing something different again. And why don't I just agree with everyone? But there comes a point where you believe in yourself, you trust yourself, you trust your instincts because they've served you well. Um, and the proof is in, you know, how you led your life or made your decisions, which have been the right ones. So you apologize. You don't apologize i am who i am today when those online forms come and you have to do the drop down box and choose your nationality and ethnicity i always choose other because i don't fit in the categories that they put you know it's just i am who i am you know the gray hair and all you know for a long time it was like why are you going gray and oh my god you'd look so much younger if you didn't but i'm actually super comfortable in my own skin and super happy to be me today so, yeah, that's what I've stopped apologizing for. I love it. <laughs> you mentioned that Dropbox and choosing all oh, the Because a lot of yeah. the times I'm like, okay, so they do have on the forms Hispanic or Latino. Hispanic or Latino, yeah. which is pretty much the same. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Hispanic or Latino. Okay, there, I'm in that category. Mm. And then are you white or black? And I'm like, is there anything in between? Because I'm either yeah. or. I'm like... <laughs> You know, my mom's white, but but I'm not. And and it's like, uh, which one do I pick? 
other. And I'm like, there's no, like, okay, then I, for now on, I think I'm going to start picking other. Yeah, that's good. Because, for example, my religion is never there. Like, I'm a Zoroastrian by religion, Parsi. My mother, you know, (laughs) 99% of the world now is other because of we're such a global world, right? This all these intermingled, interracial, intercultural connections, you can't just differentiate us by these very narrow silos. So, yeah, other is good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, otherwise there will be like a long list of for you to choose from. And the easier that they make it, the better. But other other is good. I like that. <laughs> um, what would you want um, the listeners to take from um, from your book? If, if somebody listening, they want to listen, they want to read your book or have read your book, what was one thing that you would like for them to know? I think that there's hope, right? At the end of the day, there's hope. There's a new dawn, a new day, a new tomorrow, right? Whatever we experience in the here and now is not the end of the journey or the story. It's there to teach us a lesson. It's a challenge for us to overcome, to get through, to find a part of ourselves that perhaps we haven't accessed before. So the challenge or the whatever difficulty we're facing is bringing out parts of ourselves. Like I had to learn self-reliance time and time again through different life challenges, whether it was my father, you know, not being present or losing my mother or subsequently getting divorced. It's each time the lesson has been self-reliance for me, right? To the point where, you know, I kind of say to the universe enough already, we're there. So I think it's for the listener to believe A, they're not alone. Whatever they're facing is there to help them find a part of their strength or the character that perhaps they haven't brought to the front before. And there are tools out there to help them navigate the journey and come through the other side. That's beautiful. Wow. I love that. And with that, where can people connect with you? And you mentioned uh, where to find your book. And I will be putting those links there. Where are you most active? Where can people see your beautiful hair? <laughs> <laughs> so they can come to Instagram, uh, Press. They can come onto the website, which is farapress.com. Um, and if they buy the book, they will see the beautiful hair at the back um, as well. So uh, <laughs> I look forward to you know, hearing their feedback and their comments. And I really hope the story touches them and um, they share it with anyone who might need to hear it. I love it. And now for somebody that is writing a book and that it's kind of scary because they're sharing, whether it's a personal story or strategies or lessons from from a business uh, point of view, what will you tell that person who is that on that fence of, should I? Well, I would say do it anyway, right? Write the book because the story will take on a life of its own, right? There's always, the story almost comes with its own journey and how it wants to be told. So I would say, go ahead, write it, and then the path will present itself in terms of how you bring it out into the world. I love that. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today and for sharing your story. I can't wait to see you on 
the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mai. It was really nice to be here. Thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for tuning in today. If you found this episode helpful, kindly consider sharing it with your friends, family, and community. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share your thoughts with us on social media, on Instagram at MayiLens or on the Conversations with MayiLens Facebook page. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Talk to you soon.